Hello, and welcome to the Copus Edge. Today we have with us Carlos Phillips, CEO and President of the Greenville Chamber. Carlos moved from Louisville, Kentucky, where he served as the SVP of Operations at the Greater Louisville Incorporated Metro Chamber. Carlos is here today to talk about his career journey, which led him to his current leadership role, and to chat more about all the Chamber's initiatives that are currently improving the economical landscape in the upstate. Carlos, it's great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So can you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you came into your role as the CEO and President of the Greenville Chamber? Yeah, well, I became CEO of the Greenville Chamber about three and a half years ago, moving here from Louisville, Kentucky with my family. Um, entered the chamber industry about 14 years ago just as a way to, to find my next great corporate opportunity. Hmm. I've been in telecommunications for a few years, about 12 years prior to that, in the early days of a cell phone. So if you remember, you may not. Uh, um, I remember the little Nokia would play Snake on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I was in that industry, I was in the industry long before that. Yeah. Uh, back when the bag phone was set. Oh, yeah. It was really, it was really cool. <laughs> uh, and the brick phone, if you had a brick phone, you were really fashionable. <laughs> so, uh, but I was in sales, operations, and, and leadership uh, with Bell South Mobility, Singular Wireless, and then AT&T. My family was living in Atlanta and um, we had four children and thought it was time to get back home to Kentucky. Uh, so I started working for the Chamber of Commerce there in Louisville, Kentucky. I thought, okay, I'll work at this chamber for a little while and find my next great corporate gig. And, but I fell in love with the work. Um, I fell in love with the uh, community building aspect uh, that chambers play. So enjoyed the work and have not looked back. Was there a particular project or a particular moment that kind of made it click that this is really the kind of work you wanted to do? No, but it wasn't a particular project, but I did notice that chambers of commerce have their hands in just about everything. Right. So if you look at the Greenville Chamber, you know, we have our leadership development programs, we have our economic development work, we have our business advocacy, aka lobbying mm -hmm. work that we do, we have our connecting work that we do, uh, diversity and inclusion. So we have our hands in a lot of different things, and that really excited me about in the different ways that a chamber can influence the growth and the prosperity and ultimately the success of a community. Yeah, that breadth and depth, you really can get your hands on everything and see more of the holistic picture of how it all impacts. So most of our listeners are aware of the Greenville Chamber and the number of incredible programs that are launched here in the upstate through its initiatives. What program has seen the greatest growth since you began? Well, you're correct that we do have a lot of programs there at the chamber that are designed to help businesses grow. We spoke a little earlier about our leadership development programs, which our leadership Greenville class is in its 46th year. Wow. And it's graduated over 2,000 leaders in our community. So that's that's been great. I mentioned our lobbying efforts where we promote policies that, uh, or an advocate for policies that promote business growth. And then we also oppose those policies that may stifle uh, growth. Right. Well. Those are a lot of fun times uh, <laughs> doing, uh, doing that work. Our diversity and inclusion work is designed to make sure that more people uh, are prepared and have access to the prosperity that our community is experiencing right now. We're very intentional about that work. But to answer your question, the program that has seen the greatest growth since, since I've been here has been our work in uh, growing our talent uh, and our workforce here uh, in Greenville. Not long after I arrived, I realized that access to talent was the biggest concern for employers here in the area. And that's not just a Greenville phenomenon, 
that's across the country. Right. There's a big arms race going on right now, and it's not with another country. It is for it is for talent. We want to develop the best talent that we can from within Greenville County. We want to keep that talent here in Greenville. But we also want to go out and find the best talent from outside of Greenville as well. If you're living somewhere and you're good talent, by golly, I need you to move to Greenville right now. We have a lot more jobs than we have trained, certified, qualified people to place into those jobs. So the arms race right now um, is for talent. And that portion of our work through our Accelerate program has really grown exponentially since I've been here. That's exciting. What has been, and there may be multiple things, but some of the greatest challenges with attracting and retaining talent? The biggest challenge is that when an employer realizes that they have good talent, chances are they're going to do everything possible to retain that talent. So attracting talent is really, really a big challenge because you've got to take it away from someone else. Right. If you've got good talent, my advice to employers is do everything within reason to keep that talent. A, it's more cost effective to keep the talent uh, that you've got. And then you also don't have to go through the, the retraining, bringing someone in new and going through that process again um, as well. So, but retaining talent is big business. Yeah. And no, it's funny that you talk about how it's not just a Greenville issue. I, I believe our recruiter, Michelle, actually recently was in an article and she talked about the challenges and the steps you have to take when you're trying to bring people on. And you know, you, you have to try and pull them away from companies who do you want to hold on to them? So, well, walking around Copus, I saw, uh, I've witnessed a lot of things that Andy is doing, not only to attract talent, but also to keep talent as well. I like that keg you got in, <laughs> in, in the kitchen. We do too. We're, 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 uh, that's a new idea uh, for me uh, for, for our break room uh, at our new location. It's, and it's, it's little things like that, but there are also things that are a bit more systemic as well. For example, we did away with vacation days. So our staff, they don't have 40 vacation days or sick days or anything like that. If you need to take off, take off. If it's two hours, do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, if you need to spend time with your family, you do that. We're going to hold you accountable for doing the job that you know, you've been tasked with doing. We don't want to count the hours, we want to make the hours and the time count. And that's been a real benefit for us, uh, for, the, for the employees, they feel as though that they can, they can do what they need to do when they need to do it without pressure of, oh, I've only got five days right. of PTO uh, left over. So it's, it's great for them and it has created, I think, a, a more of a family environment and it has fostered, heightened work-life balance if there really is such a thing, <laughs> but, but I think it has fostered a heightened work-life balance for our, for our team. And I, I can see you talk about how it makes it a little more familial and you kind of take away that transactional aspect of taking time off. And it's funny you mentioned that because I've actually read how, you know, I think it's more common over on the West Coast, but companies are starting to implement that where it's, it's basically an unlimited policy where it's like you take off the time you need, but from what I've read, not only does it create a better culture, more often than not, people don't take off more time than they would if they had a set amount of time. They self-limit. <laughs> our initial analysis showed that our team is taking less time off now than they were when they had when we had the PTO, the That's amazing. time off model. Which that wasn't the that goal. wasn't the goal yeah. of the initiative. That's just how it has worked out. I also learned that with this model, 
I have to be more intentional about taking time off as well because that actually encourages others on my staff to do the same thing. Interesting. I mean, it, it starts at the top. It trickles down. Yeah. yeah. If, if I'm always in on the weekends, if I'm always staying late at night, if, if I'm not practicing what I'm preaching, then um, the, the, it won't work. You're absolutely it, it, right. It won't work. So I've tried to be a bit more intentional about taking time off and leaving the office a little earlier sometimes and, and what have you. And, um, but I, I think over time, it'll get a bit more balanced and, and people will take more time off and what have you. But I, I think one of the bigger benefits of that too is there's heightened trust in the organization um, as well. I don't care that you do what you're supposed to do. I don't care where you go. I don't care when you when you go, mm-hmm. anything like that. Just do the job that you're supposed to do. You may not get it done between eight o'clock and five o'clock. All right. Sometimes you may have to fire up your laptop at eleven o'clock at night, or that's on you. Right. That's on you. But know that you've got the flexibility uh, to do the job uh, that you're tasked with. Yeah, and no, you're right. I mean, that's one thing that was really refreshing coming to Copus because their attitude is the same. It's you're an adult. Do your job. Make sure you get things done. But if you do that, we don't care when you do it or where you do it. It's, it's as long as it's being done and it's being done well. Mm-hmm. And I really do think there's a lot to be said about giving people autonomy over those sorts of things and how it affects their motivation and how well they can do their job. So that's, that's very cool that the Chamber is doing something like that. So the Chamber hosts lots of visitors who want to learn about Greenville and its recent success. When CEOs or leaders come to Greenville for a planned visit, what do they typically want to see and learn about? That's a good question. The Chamber hosts between 12 to 15 visits per year from communities. They, they want to come to Greenville. They want to know and discover what our secret sauce is. <laughs> what is it that Greenville's doing so special and that makes it uh, such a great community? Uh, they want to see and learn the Greenville way. It's amazing. They usually leave with a consistent finding. First thing they realize is that the success that Greenville has achieved it didn't come easily, nor overnight. Right. It took a lot of took a lot of hard work. It took effective, meticulous planning. It took near flawless uh, execution. The bigger component that I think is in the secret sauce is our enthusiasm for partnerships and collaboration. Yes. We like working together here in Greenwood. We have an expectation that. If you live in this community, you're going to work with other folks, other entities, other organizations, public-private partnerships. Um, you're going to work together. I, I have executives, new executives come to town, and first thing they want to know is, well, tell me, how can I fit in? How can I be a success here yeah. uh, in Greenville? And my advice to them is simple. You have to be seen as contributing to the solution here in Greenville. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure other communities can say the same thing, but I'm, I'm telling you, in my three and a half years uh, here in Greenville, I've witnessed it, and it is unlike anything that I've witnessed in, in the other communities that I've lived in. You have to be perceived as contributing to the solution. If you are perceived as it's kind of sitting on the sidelines, not really engaging, more uh, taking more than you're contributing to the community, you're not going to be successful uh, here because built into the fiber of our community is partnering, collaborating, jumping in, rolling up your sleeves, and getting real work done. And I think that's the phenomena that these communities that visit here, they realize as they're here and they talk about when, when they leave, and their findings are consistent. You can replicate planning. You can replicate 
some forms of execution. It is challenging to replicate the partnering and the collaboration because it comes from a much deeper place. More fundamental place. Yes, and it is woven into the fabric of this community and we just don't know any other way to get things done here. Yeah, and I, it's cool to hear that those leaders and from your perspective living in other communities, you see that because that's not the first time I've heard that. I've heard that from Christy Ashkettle here at Next. I've heard that from other leaders I've spoken to and time and time again, they reiterate that fact that yes, one of the things that really makes the success of Greenville possible and which is helping to kind of, because I know a worry as we grow is maintaining what's made us special as we continue to grow sustainably. And again and again, I hear that's one of the most important things is making sure we're all working together on this and we all have that common goal we're striving for. Now, that doesn't mean that we always agree. Right, absolutely. <laughs> on the path that we should take, on the plan that we that we should follow. I mean, we have our healthy debates and engaging dialogues on how to get things done, but they're respectful. Right. We disagree agreeably, uh, <laughs> if you will. We trust each other through our disagreements, and I think that's what leads to a better solution. Yeah. No, if you can, if you can have conflict and confrontation, but do it in a way that's healthy and respectful, I, I do feel most of the time you come out on the other side better for it. You get to see perspectives you might not have been open to before and flesh out your own ideas more uh, thorough ways. So, You mentioned growth of our community. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't share this with you, that over the next 20 years, Greenville County alone is projected to add an additional 225,000 people Wow, to our county population, which is just over uh, half a million. That's insane to think about. Right now. And that 225,000 population growth is conservative. It is a conservative projection. Even with that projected growth, the demand for partnering and collaborating will remain, mm -hmm. will remain. 225,000 people can move here, one half million people could move here. I'm confident that the expectation that people partner and collaborate will remain intact. Man, that's, that's so cool and exciting and a little daunting to hear <laughs> that that's the kind of growth we expect. The intercommunity leadership trip to Columbus, Ohio is coming up, and a few years ago, the chamber took several leaders for another intercommunity trip to Austin, Texas to learn about their city structure. What can trip attendees look forward to learning, and how was Columbus selected as a destination? We are excited about just over 80 business and community leaders joining us on our leadership visit to Columbus, Ohio. A lot of reasons to consider and select Columbus, Ohio, and there was a long list of candidates. Sure. Columbus, and Columbus was not at the top of the list when we started yeah. uh, this. I'm not gonna mention uh, some of the communities <laughs> that, that were at the top, but they were more known for their, their mountains and more vacation type right. of resort type of environments. But Columbus was not near the top, but as we dug a little deeper, Columbus became the clear uh, and obvious choice for us uh, to visit. Columbus is the only metropolitan area in Ohio that is experiencing population growth. Cleveland is not, Cincinnati is not, uh, but Columbus is. And we marvel at the projected population growth for Greenville County. Yeah. But listen to this. Over the next 30 years, Columbus will grow by over one million people. Wow. 
they're projected to grow by over one million people. I would have never suspected that. Neither did we before this process yeah. started. Their projected growth is pretty, it's pretty astronomical. Columbus is designated as a smart city, which means that technologically they're wired for the future. Mm -hmm. They have an optimized multimodal public transit system. We long for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Here in Greenville, they've implemented great plans and continue to invest in increasing their affordable and workforce housing inventory. We long for that yep. here in Greenville as well. And they've achieved these successes and many others in a very conservative political climate. Interesting. Much like we have here, right. here, here in Greenville. They found a way to generate the funds to facilitate and foster their growth. Right. Um, and so, for those reasons and many others, uh, Columbus stood out as a place that we need to check out. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, a lot of those things I didn't know, but the smart city thing in particular, I didn't know about. And I know we, we have an IoT division here at Copus, mm -hmm. and that's one thing that we focus on. And, and Adam is one of the guys that really hones in on that. And so I, I know it's a priority for us to continue to find ways to implement technology to inform our decisions and to connect our city in ways that make it more efficient and make it uh, so we can work together better. But it seems like we're really far off from that. So, but maybe you can shed some light on kind of where our progress is there and, and how far along we are. I think we're further along than the general public may understand. Yeah. There's a lot of work being done to prepare our city for the, the future. You know, on the transportation front, we're having some significant dialogue about how Greenville and the region can implement multi-modal mobility uh, solutions. So oftentimes the conversation about improving our infrastructure is about our crumbling roads yeah. <laughs> and bridges. But I consider infrastructure, I consider public transportation to be infrastructure Absolutely. as well. And public transportation has to extend beyond our buses. Although, we do have to find a way to optimize that That's system. still an important component, yeah. <laughs> it is still very important, but there's autonomous vehicles that a lot of people are afraid of riding in a car for which no human being is driving, mm -hmm. um, if you will, but it's coming. Right. Um, I was at Moving On Summit in Montreal a couple of months ago with Michelin, and it's people from all over the world talking about these multimodal mobility solutions that they've implemented. And I'll tell you, a lot of it took me aback. A lot of it scared me. Just at what's the solutions that many communities around the world are implementing and think, wow, if we implemented that in Greenville, what would Greenville? How would they receive yeah, that? Yeah, how would they receive that? What would it, what would it look like? Yeah. Um, but it can be something as simple as ride shares. You know, so it's, not all of it is. So, so like uh, unknown or unfamiliar yeah. to the people here. Yeah, but I think heightened, heightened flexibility for uh, those multimodal mobility solutions. It's gonna be pretty important. Uh, I'm excited that the Gateway Project is almost complete. Yeah, as uh, we all are. <laughs> we all are, but that won't be enough. That's not gonna solve all the problems. It will not, yeah. it, it will not. And But conversations are taking place and folks are around the table trying to develop solutions and then also figure out how we can fund them. Yeah, of course. So sort of continuing on that tangent about tech, the Upstate's tech community has been receiving recognition nationally and has been growing a great deal. Our company, Copus, is part of Next, which is a technology ecosystem for startups with Greenville-based HQs. 
and next is also a chamber initiative. So where do you see the tech community growing and what are you personally most excited about? I think it's safe to say that Greenville is bullish on tech. Most of the high impact entrepreneurs supported by Next have significant tech presence. Companies like Copus, Vigilix, um, Emedion, Chartspan, mm -hmm. they all have significant tech as a part of their solution. So, and, and there are other companies that I didn't mention that are in that space. Tons, um, yeah. And they're doing quite well. Tech is the backbone for healthcare, advanced manufacturing, retail. You know, it's hard to shop right now. If you want to avoid Woodruff Road traffic, you say, well, I'm going to shop at home. Yeah, order something from Amazon. I, I order something from Amazon. Well, a lot of tech, a lot of technology went into giving you the ability Making that uh, and the convenience to make that possible. So tech is only going to grow in terms of its presence here in Greenville. And Next has been at the forefront here in Greenville of uh, fostering success for those high impact and tech-based entrepreneurs. As far back as 2006. Yeah, it's amazing to think it's been that long already. Next has been a resource for our high impact entrepreneurs. And the future looks very bright for Next, that, that chamber founded initiative. I'm confident in the current team from leadership mm -hmm. at Next. And I'm equally excited about the group of people who are sitting around the room trying to figure out what is next for Next. I think there's a consensus around the thought that the next of today must evolve in order to deliver the solutions that the community uh, needs and, and for the future. Yeah. Uh, for the future. So uh, change is tough. Always. It, it's challenging. It begs a lot of questions. It causes some anxiety. But it is inevitable. Right. And I think it's necessary for next to continue the value that has been uh, delivering since 2006. It's a really exciting time for Next and for our high-impact entrepreneurial community. Yeah. So do you mind talking a little bit about Leadership Greenville? I know you've already mentioned that uh, when we got started. Um, our CEO, Kevin Winsel, is in this year's class and he's been having a really good time with the program. I know it's early on so far. So do you mind sharing a little bit more information about what Leadership Greenville is and how it ultimately gives back to the community? Yeah, Leadership Greenville is an initiative that for the past 46 years has been preparing leaders in our community. And you can, you can look around our community and you can see their fingerprints all throughout our community. Mm -hmm. You'd be hard pressed to find a key initiative here in Greenville that was not somehow one or several Leadership Greenville graduates. Mm -hmm. So since 1973, over 2,000 folks have graduated from that program. It's just an opportunity for these individuals to raise their awareness of the challenges and the opportunities that lie within our community. Speaking of, of challenges and opportunities, the postcard that people see of Greenville is a beautiful postcard. You got the, the Liberty Bridge, the falls in the background, nice tall buildings, great restaurants, uh, everything's going great. But sometimes there's also we're, we're a tale of two cities. Right, there's more to that story. There's more to that story. So we have more than our fair share of challenges as well. The Leadership Greenville program, along with our other portfolio programs within our leadership development programs, they're designed to raise awareness to those opportunities that exist within our community, build a network so that you know people can reach out and partner and collaborate on implementing solutions that will make our community better. Yeah. And we've been doing that for the past 46 years. 
uh, and the future looks very bright for that program as well. We're midway through an assessment process where we raise the hood on all of our leadership development programs. Leadership Green Rule, Opportunity Green Rule, Ignite, Young Professionals. We raise the hood on those programs and just like you do in a tune-up mm -hmm. in an automobile, does it need oil? Does it need new spark plugs? Does it need new battery? Do we need, does it need a paint job? Or is the frame bent and we need to replace the whole vehicle? Yeah. What that exercise told us was the frame is not bent. The car is still running pretty good, but there are some key changes that we're going to make as a result of the assessment. And I look forward to maybe even coming back at some point and sharing some of those changes that we, that we plan to make so that the leadership development portfolio can add value for the next 46 years. Yeah, is that evaluation something that you were driving or is that something that the Chamber has been doing consistently with those programs? That assessment has been underway for the past 18 months and we secured a consultant uh, to take us through that formal exercise, right. surveys, focus groups, uh, numerous interviews uh, to help us understand what the Leadership Greenville program alums you know, thought about not only their experience but what they think is needed for the future. Continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's exciting. I mean, it's it's clear that you're not only thinking about what's been working and what continues to work here, you're wanting to make sure that we're not stagnating and that we are changing and evolving with the times and with the needs of the community. Well, if you maintain the status quo, you're falling behind. Of course. You're falling behind. So we didn't feel that the frame was bent, but we felt like it was a good time to raise the hood. Yeah and examine things to prepare. Make sure it's running as smoothly future. as possible. Yeah. yeah. So, Carlos, really love having you on the podcast today. Um, you've been a little different than some of our other guests in that you've been able to shed much, a much more broad view on kind of what's going on in the community and how it's all tied together. And I think that's really interesting. Now, before we wrap up, can you tell us a little more about what your vision is for the future of the Chamber? I think you've already touched on that some. Yeah. Well, the Chamber's vision is for a globally competitive upstate economy where businesses succeed and people prosper. Now that vision is much more easily stated than it is executed. Uh, but all the things that we've talked about today fall within that vision uh, for the chamber. That vision is our North Star. Uh, and I don't know when we get there. Uh, I don't think it's a destination. Right. The journey is always ongoing. It is. It is ongoing. But I think it's a good North Star for us uh, to consider. There are several things that we can do to achieve um, that vision. We've got to make sure that our political climate promotes business and economic growth. Mm -hmm. I've heard many businesses say, the only thing that can interfere with my success is politics. <laughs> so the work that we do to inform our politicians and influence them to make decisions that are good for business and good for our economy um, is going to be critical uh, going forward. We must ensure that our tax structure is competitive and promotes business and economic growth. There is a um, significant initiative going on at our state capitol right now to reform our current tax structure and make it more competitive. Well, the chamber's going to be there. We're oftentimes we're like a watchdog, uh, <laughs> if you will, trying to make sure that uh, the decisions that are made that they in no way stifle it and actually promote continued growth and continued prosperity for our people um, who live here. That'll be an interesting exercise right. uh, there in Columbia. Um, we've got to invest in crit critical infrastructure 
including that regional multimodal transit uh, system that I talked about, affordable and workforce housing. We've got to make key investments there as well. We have to address something that is, is not talked about too much, um, but I think I'm determined to change that a little bit. And that is our growing uh, opioid epidemic. That is not only a health crisis, right. but it is a workforce challenge as well. A lot of people, they have a problem and, and, and born from opioids and it's preventing them from being effective partners uh, in the workforce. Right. And I think at the chamber, I've got a few people to convince of this, um, of course, but uh, I think we have an opportunity to, to be a leading voice in addressing the opioid epidemic um, as a way not only to help those affected by it, but then again, to help broaden and, and expand our pool of, of, of eligible uh, workforce. It's really cool to hear you bring that up because that's I wouldn't have expected that to be a point, but you're absolutely right. And it's good to know that someone who is a fixture in the community like the chamber is making an effort to really bring that to the forefront because you're absolutely right. It is a huge problem. My brother works in the restaurant industry and you know he has people who worked with him who have died of overdoses, who have gone through serious problems because of it. So it, a lot of times you want to shy away from those kinds of conversations and it's good to know that you're willing to face them and, and really try to do something about it. So again, Carlos, thank you so much for being on the Cocos Edge podcast today. Now, if our listeners have interest in getting in touch with you or learning more about you or the Greenville Chamber, how can they do so? Well, it's my pleasure to be here uh, as well. I'm, I'm honored. Uh, if folks want to learn more about the Chamber, they can visit greenvillechamber.org, and that's our website. You can visit there, or they can email me directly at cphillips at greenvillechamber.org. Oh, personal email. All right. <laughs> awesome. Thanks no, again, Carlos. No, no ghost writers here. <laughs> Thanks again, Carlos. Thank you. Thank you.